welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. My name is Adela, and I'm the founder of PBC. As you probably already know by now, PBC is like book club, but for podcasts. Every month, we put together a thematic podcast playlist, and groups worldwide gather to discuss them. So the theme for our December playlist was talking about my generation, and it featured four episodes. You can find the full playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash generations. One of the episodes that we featured was from Multistory, and I'm really excited to have Becca Breyers, the host of the show, as our guest today. So in 2019, Multistory won Best Radio Podcast at the British Podcast Awards. And Becca is also the chapter leader of our PBC chapter in the East Midlands in the UK. Welcome to the PBC Podcast, Becca. So happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. So why don't we start with you giving us kind of the big picture overview of what Multistory is about? So Multistory is a storytelling podcast. Um, Each episode has a different theme to it. Um, I've done three series of it. There was supposed to be a fourth series this year, but coronavirus has put everything on hold. Uh, But basically, it's stories from across England. So I work for BBC Local Radio, which has 40... I say that hesitantly because sometimes they say 41. I don't quite know how we gain or lose a station, but we have around 40 stations across England and the Channel Islands. Um, Each one kind of uh, broadcasting to a local area for local people about local issues. Um, And I have worked for local radio for a number of years. And I just thought, you know, there's so many great stories that come out in a particular area that could be relevant to other people mm-hmm. you know like just because you know I live in the city of Leicester there could be an amazing story here that has real universal appeal and it doesn't matter that you know you don't have to live in Leicester to appreciate that um so why not get it on a bigger platform because you'd only ever hear that story if you lived in this area and could pick it up on your car radio or whatever so that was a kind of starting point for it And um, yeah, so the idea is every episode, there's probably like usually four stories, uh, all collected on a theme. And they could be from, I mean, I think the oldest story I featured might be like five years old. And then some of them have like literally been broadcast. Um, So you can actually dig stuff out of the archive as well. Um, And I take stories that largely have originally been on a radio station. Some of them are also original stories. um, And I kind of reversion them. Okay. So typically the stories you know it might have been two people in a studio doing an interview um and there's a particular way of storytelling on radio which is great and really suits radio but sometimes it's quite upfront and it tells you what the story is about right from the start whereas I think storytelling in podcasts because you always listen from the beginning of a story Mm -hmm. you can play with the narrative a bit so you know I might twist it and re-edit it so there's not a big reveal at the beginning I add in music um, and my own narration so it's quite fun and each episode I try to make slightly different um but that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's kind yeah. of taking stories that are already out there and mm-hmm. bringing them to a wider audience. I mean, I'm thinking about like how much work that must be because I mean, <laughs> the BBC must have a huge archive of stories and local stories. How do you, you know, how are like, it just seems like a huge piece of work. Is that the case? Yeah. So the, it's the most challenging thing is actually finding the stories, surprisingly, because you know they're there. Like, mm-hmm. I always say I could fill shows just with one station across one week because they're constantly doing these incredible stories of people. Um, 
but really kind of getting the ones that really stand out mm-hmm. and you know there's not a system that allows you to just search for them we do you know we do have systems across the bbc but sometimes you don't the special element is just by right. talking to people so it's kind of i've kind of built up a network of producers and editors at the different stations who i can like get into contact with i like send out emails i often send out prompts so i'll sometimes think you know i might get you know, I might get a couple of um, stories in that might make me think, hey, I'll do one on Generations. Yeah. But I need a couple more. So then I'll email the stations like, have you got any kind of stories on this? Like stories you can't get out of your head is often how I describe it. Uh-huh. Or stories where you think, oh, I wonder what happened to those people. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes I'll go and revisit the stories. I'll always get in touch with the original contributors um, anyway, just to make sure they're happy with their story going out in a different format than they expected. But yeah, mm. it's a huge job. And if I'd worked out a proper system, because um, you know, I listen to so much that never makes it to the podcast as yeah. well. There's just yeah. a huge amount of listening. Right. It would be an impossible task to listen to everything that came out of the station. I think you'd never get to the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm almost like thinking about it in the same way as like curating a podcast brunch club playlist it's like you know sometimes I have an idea and I've gotten this feedback a lot about curating a playlist for PBC is that it's like really a lot more difficult than I think people are anticipating because even if they have the idea for the theme and I don't know if that's the way that you start as well if maybe you have an idea for a theme usually for podcast brunch club it comes up because somebody listens to an episode and they're like, oh, this would be a really good episode to talk about. So I'm going to take a step back and call it, you know, this would fit in great with a theme about, you know, grief or whatever. And then they go out and seek three more episodes that would fit in the grief category, right? In the, in the, in the, on a playlist. And that's where they always run into the problems. They find that first one that they want to talk about. And then it's going out and trying to like call the entire universe of podcasts out there for the right fit that goes with that first one, then the third one that goes with the first and the second one. And it's so hard. So I can't imagine. I mean, that seems it seems like almost the same sort of task for you, but in years and years of archives of of local stories. So. Yeah, it is. And actually, I actually went quite old school in doing it. I mean, because I've not been making it recently, they've all gone. But the walls in the room I was co- I'm in at the moment were just covered with post-it notes uh-huh. because I'd find a story that I loved. I'd write it on a bit of paper, stick it to the wall, and then I'd start trying to group them together. Yeah. And there's certain stories that would move an entire category because I was always, you know, I'm always trying to look for not the obvious. Right like categories and themes that you're not just expecting the same thing for everything and comparing that to podcast brunch club too I think you know the the playlists that really work are ones where it's it's one theme but Mm -hmm. different angles Mm -hmm. whereas sometimes you can get months where they're quite similar um, which is also interesting but there's always I think more to talk about, more to think about when you're getting things from multiple angles so it's quite challenging it's quite fun um, but it is the most time-consuming part and the fr- yeah. most frustrating part of it because you know the stories are out there, but you can't right. quite get them. Right. Or like you're like, oh, this story has to exist out there and you're just looking for it. And maybe you find something that's almost the right fit, but not quite the, you know, doesn't have the exact hook you wanted. But um, 
Do you work on it by yourself? Yeah, so multi-story. So recently I've been working on a different podcast, which has been a little bit, I've had a little bit more help, but multi-story was pretty much on my own. That's not completely true because I should say that I couldn't make it without the like hundreds of journalists across local radio. Right. Because, you know, some of them are my original stories, but a lot of them have been found by other people, recorded by other people, followed up by other people. So in that sense, I'm just working with their material. But in terms of the actual podcast production, then um, I had an editor who'd listen to my stuff and be a good sounding board to bounce stuff off. But um, we're not exactly high in resources in local radio. So um, yeah, like writing it, um, editing it, putting curating, choosing the stories that go in is all on you. Yeah, yeah. And again, I bounce it off my editor sometimes and talk it through because I'm someone who has to talk through Mm -hmm. what I'm thinking. Um, But yeah, and you know, I was never supposed to present it either. So I was never supposed to be the host. So when I created the pilot, um, I was looking for the right host. And um, the... I kind of think I had two weeks until I had to deliver it, and then suddenly it turned to like two days and then I had to deliver. So I, I just said, well, I'll record it. But obviously just imagine someone else presenting. Um, and then it stuck. So was that because are you, what was the reason that you didn't want to be the voice um, behind it? I guess because I wasn't super confident doing it. I mean, I've worked as a radio producer. Um, well, I guess, I mean, I've worked in audio for 15 years now and I'd worked in live radio production and I'd presented in the past, but only in emergency situations when like a presenter was ill or I'd done a few documentaries, but I didn't see myself as a presenter. Didn't I just didn't think, I thought they'd want someone a bit more shiny and a bit more experienced to do it. But actually it's been really great for me. And it's funny listening back because I think, I can see that my presentation has improved over time and it sounded a bit awkward in the first few, particularly because I was trying to sound natural. I was trying to like take on board everything I'd heard Ira Glass say about <laughs> how he learned to speak naturally. Um, but I think it has been good for me to do. And I suppose it gives a different texture because I've, what you find in you, the UK is often if you ask brilliant journalists to voice something for you, they're so trained to speak in a particular BBC newsreader style. Mm-hmm. They find it very difficult to speak in a different way. And I'm sure there's equivalents in different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, perhaps the fact that I hadn't, I'd, I've always been an awful newsreader, always been an awful <laughs> newsreader. Um that kind of played to the podcast, I hope. I mean, I can't really say like that's for other people to judge, but um yeah. Yeah, it kind of turned out to be a happy accident in the end. Yeah. I mean, I think that's awesome. I think that, um, you know, sometimes it's important to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone and just try something. And I also think that, you know, it's totally natural to look back on maybe your, you know, initial stuff and think like, oh, but I think it's really also important that you put it out there because I always tell people if, you know, if you're thinking of starting something or if you're thinking of trying something, I mean, come up with a plan for sure. I'm not saying go in blind, but don't like, don't think that you're going to get it perfect at the beginning. Like know that you're going to mess up in the beginning and be okay with that because that's the only way you're going to get it to where it needs to be. Cause you're going to figure out it, figure it out as you go and be able to kind of tweak it as you go. But you have to be willing to put up, put stuff out there that is maybe sub standard in your mind, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's completely right. And I think what was quite good with local radio, because in a way, Multistory was one of the first podcasts they did. Um, they took on board what I'd said that, you know, like a lot of podcasts, they take months to get this following. And I think what's really interesting, and actually anyone who's listening is thinking of work, making a podcast who's you know completely independent, isn't in the industry it's almost better for you in a way because it's quite a lot of pressure if you work for a you know mm-hmm. a massive broadcaster that has this you know expectation of level of quality if you don't pick up mm-hmm. you know listeners quickly or it doesn't sound that great that seems really bad whereas actually some of the best podcasts that are out there are stuff that people have played around for a couple of years they've found their voice you know it's a bit more low risk and they're just really passionate and that comes across in it and I think sometimes you know from lots of big uh, broadcasters or media outlets they almost get it wrong because the passion isn't there and also it gets cut too quickly before you've built an audience because it you know it's it's just ratings are important I suppose the nice thing about the BBC being a public broadcaster is sometimes there's a little bit more leniency because it's not necessarily completely about a revenue return immediately right yeah I mean I think what I hear you saying is that like first in some situations failure is kind of not an option or it's not 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 an option but it's much more risky to fail whereas if you don't have kind of that if you're not at that level, it's actually really not a huge risk. Like, you know, if I, when I started Podcast Brunch Club, if I had messed up, who cares? Nobody's really watching me at that point. But with you as sort of being already in it and like having this big organization around you, you know, I, there's more pe- more eyes on you in terms of like success and failure. So yeah, there is a, a nice benefit to being a little bit more anonymous when you start. Yeah, something. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And also there's this thing of like, well, it's my career. And if I can't get this right, then what can I get right? I should say, by the way, that is the revenue thing is wrong because actually the, there's a lot of pressure on the BBC because we're spending like British license fee payers money. Mm. So it's all about being seen for value for money. But um, yeah, it's always yeah. about money. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's about money. <laughs> um, okay, so let's take a take a step back. Like, tell me a little bit about yourself. We learned a little bit that you've been working in radio for 15 years. Like, tell I mean, you know, part of this is that I also, you know, I'm we're talking to you because we featured your play your podcast on the playlist. But we're also like, we have the added benefit that you're also a member of Podcast Brunch Club, a member of the global community. So like, I want to use this as an opportunity for people to get to know some of the other members in the community. So, so like, tell us about yourself, you know, you were born at where were you born and raised? Did you want to do this? you know, as a little girl, like, did you study this? Go for it. Um, So yeah, no, I was born, I was born in Leicester, where I live now. And then I grew up, which is in the middle of England. Um, In the East Midlands is like in the region. And that's the chapter I run of um, Podcast Project Club. Um, So I grew up in Leicestershire. I've very much stayed in this area. Um, And you know what, I was really into like arts and theatre and reading as a kid. And so that's kind of what inspired me. I think I thought I'd be a film director or a theatre director. So I, um, when I left school, um, I went, um, I decided to go to university and study English. And I purposely chose a course that had a bit of theatre in it. Um, but I never wanted to be the actor. I'd always take the role mm-hmm. of being a director. Um, 
which is interesting because that's kind of what a producer is in a way. You're keeping everything going on radio. And then it just so happened that the BBC were running a scheme for young people for like 14 to 18 year olds over that summer before I went to university which was work experience and it was you could be an arts reporter on their local website and I thought well that's cool because I'll get in free to see gigs and stuff so I I applied purely on that basis and I very nearly forgot to hand in the application and I always think back to this because I just think how would I have got in otherwise um but I did I sent it in and had an interview and I got in so I spent the summer before university getting to go to all these amazing things and going to music festivals and just writing about them and then I kind of never left so throughout university I went to the University of Nottingham which is also in the East Midlands and is it's kind of like a triangle of I was where I was living working at Radio Leicester and um, mm-hmm. going to University of Nottingham and I just did that triangle for like three years and I just answer phone calls at the weekends or early morning shifts I mean it was like the coolest part-time job ever um yeah and then I just kind of stuck and I just um you know left university uh started working more hours and gradually found my way in until I was a full producer on radio so I kind of stuck doing that and I've done various other jobs for the BBC kind of training and, you know, I stepped into management for a little while, but then I got really into podcasts and I, it was through a friend, my friend, Chris, he kept going on at me. Have you had this podcast called This American Life? And I was like, I don't, even though I worked in audio, I was like, I don't really know what podcasts are and no. Finally, I listened and absolutely then got obsessed and then started consuming all of these podcasts. And, you know, it was all the American podcasts that, you know, that were big because the BBC, you know, they got on to podcasting early, but largely they were just, I mean, Mm -hmm. I suppose this is what This American Life is. It's just a radio show originally that was put into podcast form. But um, America just seems so far ahead of what we were doing in the UK. And then... I I kind of started a pet- petition to um, local radio. So, you know, we have the whole BBC and we are just one part of it. Um, and we tend to broadcast traditionally to kind of an older audience and a local audience. But I just thought, kind of modelled on This American Life, you know, so much about This American Life is, um, you know, these tiny stories that happen in this town I have never heard of in America Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. with concepts that don't even make sense to me in the UK, because you know there, there is cultural difference, mm-hmm. and yet I really care about it. And I was like, we have so many of those around England. Why are we not doing that? And that was kind of my starting point for essentially a campaign I started with management at local radio that we should we should do something. And multi story was the result of that. Um, so how long have you been doing multi story? That's a good question. I think it was two thousand. Oh gosh, I don't even know. Two thousand. It was after you started Podcast Brunch Club there because I remember when you launched. It was probably about a year after you started. Yes, yeah, so maybe two thousand and eighteen. I think so. Yeah, I think I did okay. two series in two thousand eighteen, and then or was it two thousand eighteen? Yeah, and then I did two series in two thousand and nineteen, and then I was supposed to do the fourth series now. So this petition that you started to kind of get the BBC on the podcast train. When was that? Was that around the same time or shortly before? Or was that like way it took, early? It took quite a while. Like it was, it was a low level campaign that grew until I finally went to kind of the okay. controller of the whole of local radio. 
directly and he was great he was receptive but he needed a bit of convincing and then he like really generously gave me three months out my normal job to like really research podcasting and try out some pilots about how it could sound and um yeah and that was the result and I kind of presented that and then I think I had a couple of months back in my normal job and then they were like go for it let's try it for a year and then I haven't gone back and it's become my full-time job so um amazing yeah it was and is it multi-story that's your full-time job or are you working on other podcasts so multi-story was my full-time job in terms of output but also part of my job is looking for other opportunities to develop podcasts in local radio mm-hmm. um then yeah coronavirus came about and I suddenly <laughs> switched from working on the four series to launching a new podcast called make a difference which isn't hugely dissimilar in the fact that I'm collecting stories from across all the stations again but it's not theme based it's very like this is what's happened this week um so local radio as a whole has this service called make a difference which is very in the community so essentially they have people manning phone lines um and emails and it's like if you have if you need help in whatever way or support then you can ring this line or get in touch and we can put you in touch with an individual or an organization that can help you. And as a result of this, obviously incredible stories were coming out of it because someone would ring up and, you know, the stories were, you know, some of them are, you know, they're quite distressing. Some of them, it's like, I cannot get food. Some of them are simply like, I feel lonely. And then someone will ring up the station and say, well, I'm happy to ring you. And so we started to get these beautiful stories coming out really early. So I think I got Mm. a call from uh, the head of radio in England saying, I think we should look at doing something with these stories. And then four days later, we launched Make a Difference. Um, And and originally we were doing two a week. So for the first uh, three months, we did two episodes a week. Um, And now it's gone down to one a week. Um, and it's just reflecting the stories that are coming out of the station. So they're very similar in sound to make a difference in the sense it's me presenting similar music style, mm-hmm. um, but not quite as, uh, you know, they're very quick. The outfit's quite quick. So it's not yeah. quite as finesse and it's very yeah. like a local radio product. But, um, you know, there's some incredible stories there. And is that like a direct kind of uh directly correlated to coronavirus because of coronavirus like is it going to continue on after because this seems like a the make a difference initiative seems like it's been a long-standing thing it's not just because of coronavirus or maybe I misunderstood no so it did launch as a result of so it's interesting because make a difference as a brand started when Mm -hmm. lockdown came in the UK in March oh okay but it essentially is a reflection on what local radio has always done we've always been in our communities we've always you know been connecting people and helping people so I think it will continue what's interesting in the podcast is very early on it was very about food parcels and about NHS workers so as the podcast has been going on it's kind of the themes have changed and so now I've started featuring on it stories that aren't directly linked to the pandemic I mean because they're happening in this Mm -hmm. time they kind of are but some of them Mm -hmm. you know it's just nice people doing nice things. That's kind of, it's like good news stories, good deeds, yeah. that kind of thing. There's um, there's a podcast that sounds very similar to your show called um, Kind World. 
Uh, it's based out of Boston. It's a Boston NPR station, and they feature similar stories. It's not necessarily um, in the same sort of format. And now there's no like call center or anything like that, but they just seek out these stories of people helping each other or things that people have done for each other. And, you know, it's they're feel good stories for sure. And they're just nice things people have done for each other. So usually there's the sad part in the beginning and then the happy part at the end, which is kind of how it's, you know, like that's I mean, I, keep, I get feet messages from people with multi-story too, a lot where people say, you've made me cry on public transport. And it's like, I'm really no. sorry. Was it because you were sad or because you were happy? But yeah, it's been an actually interesting challenge during Make a Difference because, you know, there's no denying this is a really challenging year. And a lot of the, pretty much all the good news stories only exist because they come out of a place of, you know, desperation or sadness. So it's an interesting yeah. balancing act to... um you know, make it so it's a podcast where people want to listen and it, they feel happy, um, but it's not completely removed from reality where I'm just pretending like everything's okay. And, you know, it's been interesting with multi-story. I try and inject myself into it as part of mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, you know, because I guess, you know, a lot of my the way I make podcasts is the stuff I like to listen to and I like hearing hosts inject a bit of their own self into it. With Make a Difference, that's been more challenging and I've taken more of a spack seat because you know, you're constantly aware that I'm living a particular experience of this. And in some ways, quite a Mm -hmm. privileged one, you know, I I live in a house, um, you know, with a caring partner, and, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a job. And that's not the reality for a lot of people. So it's, it's been an interesting Mm -hmm. one for me. Um, balancing that. But, you know, I think multi-story is much more of a podcast, make a difference is a podcast but it's also been being played on the radio station so it's also been a radio show it's gone back onto the station so it it it, it is different um and it's yeah. almost in some ways more of a radio show first and a podcast second but um available in both formats very cool um so let's switch gears a little bit i want to talk about specifically about the playlist about the episode that we featured of yours and about the conversation around generations that we had. I mean, I know that the Eastman Lins chapter just met, I think yesterday, yes, you said, yeah. right? And so I'm asking, I want, I'm wondering if there's any like key takeaways from that meeting that you want to share. I mean, I think everyone was really engaged. And um, we actually had a good turnout, uh, our pre-Christmas turnout. And there seem to be themes that we picked up. Unsurprisingly, we started with multi-story as kind of a starting point. Uh, I kind of started the session by pointing out all the things that I thought were wrong with it and how I would edit it differently Mm. now. (laughs) Like I had to get it out of my system. Like it's like a really awful thing that I think (laughs) any like program makers do. Like, I'm so sorry, guys, that you had to listen to that because I noticed that like four minutes in, the levels were really bad. And also I really wish I'd used a different (laughs) music. They're just like, we don't. And I'm sure everybody was like, we did not notice at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the equivalent of if you have a spot and you have to tell people that, you know, you have a spot on your face because no Mm -hmm. one cares. (laughs) Right. Nobody cares. No one cares. Um, So, you know, I suppose it's quite a spread and it kind of fitted into a lot of the other conversations that were there. So, for example, Mm -hmm. um, the story of Eve talking to Jasper um, and Eve being, uh, well, she's now much older lady. She doesn't specify her age, but um, was mm-hmm. brought came over to the UK as part of the Kinder Transport before World War Two, 
Um, and that was quite interesting because it linked in with some of the other podcasts, which was about, you know, immigration and identity and conflict in culture. Um, and that was quite interesting because a couple of our uh, members, uh, their parents came over to the UK from other countries. So that opened mm -hmm. up a really interesting conversation where uh, they could see some real parallels that were interesting yeah. there. Um, and that actually fed into other things too. So talking about homosexuality and how that was viewed, which was a thing that came up in multi-story, but of course, uh, one of the other podcasts too. Um, and just yeah. about how a difference of culture, but also of generation impact that. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that, um, well, not funny, interesting. I actually sent multi-story to my mom, who is, as we were discussing right before we started recording, uh, born and raised in England. She was born in Liverpool. My family, her side of the family still lives there. And um, one of her very, very good friends from childhood came over to the UK on the kinder transport wow. as well. So yeah, so we have yeah a link to that sort of I, I had heard about the kinder transport, even though it's very much a UK thing. And, you know, not I don't think it's very well known in the United States. But because my mom has this link to a woman, a very good friend who came over, and I think she may have even gone to the um to the ceremony that I think was mentioned in the episode with Sir Newton. Yes, Sir, what you, was his name? You put me on the spot now. Let me see what's his name. Sir Sir Nicholas Winton. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, there there was a sort of personal yeah thread in that episode to my my family. So it was really really nice. And my mom listened and she loved it. That's amazing. Well, I really recommend. There's this incredible um, video. Of if you search Nicholas Winton on YouTube, it will come up. Um, but there's this incredible video where he was invited onto this um, TV show that doesn't exist in the UK anymore. Um, and he was just sitting in the audience and he didn't realize that the whole audience was full of children that he'd saved who wouldn't be alive because of him. I mean, I kind of don't want to ruin it, but it's yeah. incredibly emotional. And, wow. um, and you know, like I, uh, Multistory is brilliant for you know, working on these programs for opening me up to stories that I didn't fully understand. Like, you know, as kids in the UK, we're often taught about, um, uh, you know, children leaving London, evacuees leaving London to go to the countryside. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I didn't fully, I didn't honestly fully know the kinder transport story. So mm -hmm. often I do deep dives into stuff and, you know, come out learning a lot more. But yeah, um, yeah really interesting and you know we talked a lot about parallels about um immigration coming into the uk now and how people might be perceived differently and you know child immigration and that kind of thing and um, so that opened up a really rich story which you know quite a few of the podcasts on this playlist been um fed into yeah yeah i mean so I want to ask you a little bit about like why you think it's important to have intergenerational conversations and not just that, but a li little deeper than that, but also recording those conversations. Yeah. So, I mean, at the beginning of the, this generation's multi-story episode, I kind of, I think I did a little bit of a monologue on, you know, regretting not talking to more people. And, you know, I play a little bit of my great auntie Iris um, on there. And I'm so pleased that I have that, but I literally have a minute and a half. Like I did that for a work piece and it was uploaded onto the BBC website. In fact, I had to rip that off the BBC mm. website and find a really old browser that would oh, be wow. compatible. And it's kind of sad that I didn't keep it. Um, and I think, I think 
I don't know it's often a regret when you look back and now now I think in audio a lot more now as well it's almost like you look back and you regret not recording stuff so I want to make sure I record my parents and record interviews with them because you know you have these stories that they tell and like I get a surface level understanding of it but I actually want to go really in depth and understand them and then you think well why not record them because it'd be nice to listen back and tell stories further Mm -hmm. um you know I spend a lot of my life listening to other people's recordings or recording complete strangers Mm -hmm. and like why do we not turn them on you know our our direct family and I think also part of that is as a kid you just see your mum as your mum or your grandpa as your grandpa right nothing special right well yeah. yeah and now I think gosh you know like I was really lucky to know all four of my grandparents but you know sadly they've all now passed away and there's actually stuff I think why didn't like I kind of know some stories but not fully and like you know the stories I want to ask my granddad about you know working in the factory he worked in and stuff with my grandpa about like working in the shop he worked in and you know war experiences and I just I won't get to do that now but how amazing if I had have done that yeah I mean I feel the same way and I think part of it is also like we can talk about generations right just or not just generations but just growing up right like as young people we just don't like it, it, you sort of realize the importance of it as you grow older and just by virtue of everybody growing older, the likelihood you're going to be able to talk to those people, you know, diminishes every year, right? So as I age a year, my grandparents age a year. And as I age 10 years, my grandparents age 10 years. And so, and then in that 10 years, they may, they may pass. And I think it's just one of those things that I think we realize maybe once we're a little bit older. And sometimes it's harder at that point to do those things. Um, I will say that I also did start recording my parents right before the pandemic hit. I had been wanting to do this for a while, you know, just um, capturing family lore almost in this mm-hmm. way that like we have all these crazy family stories, you know, of things that happened and um, with different people in the family, but even like a generation or two before, you know, and to me, it's sort of like, I don't really care whether or not they're true or not. Like they're still part of the family (laughs) lore, you know, like somebody got on the wrong boat and ended up in Panama from, you know, they thought they were going to the United States and they ended up in Panama and they, we still have a whole part of our family that's in Panama, you know? And so I think it's just fun to kind of, yeah, think about it. And if you have the opportunity, because I mean, think about how many pictures we take, right? And that's sort of our definition of recording, right? But we're not recording, you know, voices or stories in that same way. And so I think there is something maybe that maybe maybe with the proliferation of podcasts and people getting more comfortable with the idea of of voice only, maybe it will happen. You know, we have here... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, and I've mentioned this on the podcast just recently, StoryCorps. Have you ever heard of StoryCorps? Yeah, I have heard of StoryCorps. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they have these um, recording studios for people to just sit down with one other person and just have a conversation and they record it. And then they pull out some of these conversations for a podcast or a radio program. But they also archive all of the stories at the Library of Congress, the United States Library of Congress. So it's sort of like an oral history. Yeah, so there's a similar thing um, that's done with 
BBC Local Radio, BBC mm-hmm. Radio 4 and the British Library. It's called The Listening Project. So they do a okay. similar thing where they have a booth and it goes around the UK um, and you can go and record in it. And yeah, they, they save the stuff in the British Library okay. and then some of it makes it onto local radio and some of it makes it onto Radio 4. And it's great. Yeah, it's really really fascinating and i think they've slightly changed it recently so they're actually putting together strangers so they try and pull together people who've not had a conversation before to open up about their own lives and explore the contrasts and the similarities but um yeah i think it's great and i i think i guess it will be a um, a new year's resolution i suppose a Mm -hmm. post-pandemic resolution to do more of that but i think you know what's come clear with all of these stories is Obviously, we think about recording it and that's great, but sometimes it's literally just having those conversations that's so important. And, you know, there's conversations I've had with people or moments of revelation that like massively stand out to me. And, you know, again, in multi-story, I bring up one of them in that episode where um, before the story where there's the two guys, two gay guys, you know, talking about their own experiences. And before I told a story, about going to a friend, an older friend's uh, civil partnership and him, you know, talking about in the speech that, you know, he never dreamed that he'd be able to do that because it was illegal in the UK when he was a teenager. And, you know, that that is a conversation I never had with him. You know, I kind of guess I'm ashamed to say it's a conversation I never thought to have with him because you just, you know, I'm not a past you know I've not had that same experience life experience and it's always stood out to me and I think about it a lot and you know when I made that episode I I did speak to him and I did ask you know could could we have an interview could I interview you and feature you and he didn't feel comfortable with it even then which I think is really telling mm-hmm. um, and it just shows that some things have changed and some haven't you know he was happy for me to feature the story mm-hmm. in an anecdotal way um but you know and I think that came out in you know a number of the podcasts that actually sometimes you know things haven't changed that much and some things do continue throughout the generations and sometimes that's quite comforting that actually Mm -hmm. we're all just people and sometimes it's kind of sad when it's like a society thing or a block or something that actually it's a you know an issue that continues So real quick, I just want to take a second to talk to anyone out there who's even thinking about starting a podcast. I use Podbean as my podcast host, and they have been fantastic. They have amazing technical support and lots of different options for hosting, including a free plan. The one I use is only $9 a month and has unlimited storage. They also have an ad marketplace that any Podbean show can join, and it helps you find advertisers for your show. To get a free month of hosting, go to podbean.com slash PBC. But even if you don't host your show on Podbean, but you want to use their ad marketplace to place ads in other people's shows, you can sign up at sponsorship.podbean.com slash PBC to get a $100 credit toward podcast advertising. Let's start wrapping up. But before we do, I always ask the guests um, if they have a podcast pick. So, yeah. So this is difficult because usually I like trying to listen to loads of new podcasts. But I found like during the pandemic, I've kind of gone back to old favorites. It's kind of like a comforting thing. I could see that. Yeah. And um, I've been mainly getting a lot out of conversation 
you know, like deep conversation um, podcasts. Um, so one thing that was new was Louis Theroux, who I love for his documentaries. Um, he started a podcast um, where he's just interviewing interesting people. And um, so I've loved that. But also I've gone back to Adam Buxton and listened to a lot of him. So he has a podcast and they actually went to school together, which is funny. So they've got a bit of cross-pollination in the podcast space. But he's had some really interesting interviews recently. Um, it's always so hard to know how it travels because I think, you know, he's an international, I don't know, like I don't know how popular he is elsewhere. I have not heard. No, I don't okay. know either of them. So wait, so are the names of the podcast the names of the people or do they have? Yeah, so Louis Theroux's one is called, so Louis Theroux is a, um, he's like a big documentary maker in the UK and he's always done filmmaking and he does documentaries. Funnily enough, he mainly does them in America. So he kind oh. of started his career It's just possible. America. I'm very, very ignorant when it comes to like the names of people behind the scenes and movies and stuff. I barely ever know people's names. Well, you may not know. He just might not be big in America. This is the thing you just assume he is. So he um, he does like documentaries where he'll like go and spend loads of time with people. And he often does it with quite like, um, it's eccentrics affair, like people who are kind of on the edge of different societies. Um, okay. He did a big film with the Scientologists. Um, uh, he does stuff with mental health, but he's not moved into the podcasting space so he's he's done that he's very much bbc person so he's done one of those for the bbc and he's spoken to people he finds interesting um, and then adam buxton is i kind of uh, had a long he's like he's really established podcaster in the uk and he does really long interviews they call them he calls them ramble chats they're quite different to normal okay. interviews in the fact that they start on a point and they'll just go off literally on a ramble and just talk about whatever so you actually hear from some quite big name people having conversations you never normally would so that's been good and his most recent one was with Paul McCartney from the Beatles so it's kind of quite a big name yeah um and for anyone who listens to Adam Buxton normally it's interesting hearing his presenting style because he almost sounds a bit nervous and he's not quite as eccentric as he normally Mm. is because it's almost like he's aware he has like this bigger international audience but you know, I really like his interviews because they're very, um, he's just, he's a bit eccentric and mm-hmm. um, because because he's not following a normal kind of interview kind of uh, stream, I guess. They just go meander all over the place. It comes mm-hmm. out with some really interesting things that you just wouldn't expect to hear. Mm-hmm. Um It'd be interesting for international listeners because, you know, sometimes I listen to some big American podcast hosts and I have no idea who the people are, but I'm sure they're like big names there. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the people, you know, I could probably say some of the people that um, Adam Buxton's interviewed recently and you'd think, who the hell is that? (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So I just looked it up and the Adam Buxton podcast is called the Adam Buxton podcast, but the Louis Theroux one is called Grounded with Louis Theroux. Yes, yeah, so it's grounded because he's stuck at home and normally he'd be making I these, see. Yeah. Oh, about. See, isn't that interesting? People are starting to do podcasts as their coronavirus projects. And then as soon as coronavirus is over, <laughs> they might stop doing their podcast. You know? Well, yeah, I know. But it's interesting because I think Louis Theroux's podcast has been one of the biggest for the BBC this year. Because, really? you know, in the UK, he's a he's a big name and people love what he does. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he'll carry on or not. Um, 
it might be a bit of a shame. I mean, because him and Adam Buxton went to school together, there's quite a lot of joking about him moving into Adam's space and he should back off back to telly. Uh-huh. Um, and so the fun. fact that Adam sent him his microphone so he could record and he's just not returned it. So, uh. <laughs> I mean, it's all very niche, but this is a great thing about podcasting, right? It's like a yeah. community and like all of this to people who've never listened, you'll be thinking, mm, I don't know if I like this, but to right. me, I'm like, I'm living off the kind of battle between them. But then at the same time, like it's because it's so niche when you find the other people that also listen to that same podcast, there's like this instant bond, this instant like connection that you have. Like if you talk to me right now and I was like, oh, my God, I love the Adam Buxton podcast, like there would be this instant like conversation that would happen. And that's what I love about podcasts. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like the thing as well about Adam Buxton is he's is such a podcasting podcast too, because he does, um, uh, he makes all of his own ads like oh, wow. he voices his own ads but they'll all they'll be so he, d- he does one at the moment for squarespace where he basically completely rips off ira glass and it's such a it's kind of like a loving representation where he's also like really just taking the mick out of yeah. like a very american style right. um and it just makes you laugh a lot and it's very clever but it's it's like very knowing so uh-huh. if you like into podcasting you'll get what he's doing mm-hmm. very cool well i will add those to the show notes um so last question just how can people follow you how can people you know find out more about multi-story so um you can find out by multi-story um by well it's on the bbc website although i don't think it's available internationally but if you're in the uk as a bbc employee i should encourage you to download the bbc sounds app mm-hmm. um but you can get it on other places um and so it's multi-story um and you can find me on twitter so there's not a we don't actually have a like a podcast mm-hmm. social media um, it's kind of just an all BBC one, but you'll find me at Becca Briars and I'm often talking about it um, and make a difference in the same place. But um, yeah, it's pretty searchable. I feel like everyone just uses yeah, like the you. search engine of choice, right? Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure. And thank you for all that you do for podcasts in the world and for Podcast Brunch Club. Thank you. It's been great being on here. And, you know, I get so much love from, you know, talking about community. Podcast Brunch Club has created a new community for me of people that live in my area who I would never have met, but now are my friends. So thank you to you as well for setting all of that up. It's lovely to be part of a wider podcasting community, an international podcasting community. That means so much to me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Podcast Brunch Club community. Do you have any thoughts on our discussion this month? Send a message or voice memo to podcast at podcastbrunchclub.com. PBC is a passion project, and we rely on support from our global community to continue bringing people together in person and online. So if you feel like PBC has contributed to your life in any way, please consider becoming a patron or making a one-time donation. Go to podcastbrunchclub.com slash support for more information. If you're interested in becoming an organizational partner, go to podcastbrunchclub.com slash sponsors. A quick thanks to our early partners, Podbean. For one free month of podcast hosting, go to podbean.com slash PBC. Podchaser, the IMDB of podcasts. Listen Notes, a podcast search engine. Critical Frequency, the podcast network for everyone else, 
The Venn Media, a weekly newsletter for curious minds, and Lentigua Williams and Company Podcast Network, telling stories in the seams of society. Finally, some credits for this episode. Katie DeFiori is our audio editor. Music is from Chad Crouch and Miss Ayal Ghana, downloaded from Free Music Archive. I'm Adela, founder of Podcast Brunch Club, and as always, thanks and happy listening. <laughs>